millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. You find Catherine Whitaker and myself, David Law, just a couple of weeks after the US Open has finished, Catherine. We were supposed to come along just before the finals. We never managed to get around to that, but we're here now and we're together in person. And why are we together? Because I've just uh, finished my first ever commentary on football at BT Sport. So we're down here in the Westfield Centre near BT Sport where... I'll be doing a tennis shift in the morning at some ungodly hour, 2.30 in the morning, when Heather Watson plays her first match of the event against Sara Arani. And uh, I've got to work out whether to, to go to sleep before match of the day two starts and I get to watch West Bromwich Albion be- beating uh, Tottenham Hotspur. So I'm pretty happy with life at the moment. Catherine, how are you doing? Spoiler alert, spoiler alert for the football results. You're supposed to say, if you don't want to know the results, look away now. But anyway, uh, I'm very well, thanks. We are adding to the list of uh, bizarre and glorious places where we've recorded this podcast at the, uh, at the Holiday Inn in Westfield. So, uh, yeah, it's good to be here. Can I tell you that it's a little bit different commentating on, uh, on football to, to commentating on tennis? For a start, you've got at least 22 people to try and work out who they are and why you're talking about them. Where in the tennis, you've got only two. It's brilliant. Yeah, you appreciate tennis all the more. I was going to accuse you of being a turncoat for commentating on the football, but it sounds like it's making you appreciate the joys of tennis all the more. Very well said. Well, the US Open has uh, come and gone, and uh, goodness me, it didn't half produce some surprising results at the end, didn't it? If we, we talk about the men first of all, we, uh, we obviously had our finalists all worked out well in advance and uh, we all we had all the, the the amusement at you predicting Bernard Tomic to go all the way to the semi-finals but actually the people who got there to the final weren't that much more absurd and surprising than old Bernard and you're looking a bit smug well prepare I mean you and I as well as being broadcasters also uh, PR and comms professionals so prepare for some serious spin here but I think my my rather out there Bernard Tomic prediction I think what that was was a thinly veiled general prediction that 
you know, it's going to be a surprising event and there might be some surprising uh, finalists. Which Talk about vague, honestly. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's up there with uh, with taking your breath away for Roger Federer, that is, which he uh, unquestionably has done over the past uh, 12 months or so. Uh, but uh, obviously, I get loads of credit for Karen Wozniacki reaching the final because I said she would do that. Wrong year, I know, but still, get loads of credit for that. Uh, but we'll get on to that in a moment. But... Uh, in the end, Marin Cilic and, uh, and, and Kane Ishikori were, were, were fantastic, weren't they? That semi-final day was one of the most surprising days of tennis in decades, I would suggest. For Nishikori to beat Djokovic toe-to-toe and then Cilic to wipe the floor with Federer. Particularly... Um, to have those two back to back, as you say, I, I watched the uh, the Nishikori match and I was, it was completely blown away. Flabbergasted so often after an upset like that in a stadium. The the next, I, I'm surprised that Marin Cilic was able to deal with that moment of there having been the huge upset and coming out. Um, and 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 it obviously worked in the way that in the most positive possible way for Marin Cilic of thinking, oh well. None of this is by any means a foregone conclusion. Kane Shikori's just beaten the world number one to make it to his first Grand Slam final. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the same and beat the greatest of all time to reach my first Grand Slam final. And uh, I, I was very disappointed in in Federer that day. Um, Hold on a minute. He was a bit exhausted, wasn't he, after the Gael Monfils epic? He was a bit exhausted, but he's about fifty years old. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and but, but there haven't been many occasions um, in Grand Slam so far where Federer has shown his age. I think this is one of the first significant moments where sort of his age and and lack of ability to recover as well as he used to has actually shown. And uh, you can't blame him for that. He can't he can't stop the turning of time. Um, he is older than he was, but just to see that that playing a part in the way that it it did, and to see him look half a step slow. Um, was 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 a shame. I think it's difficult. It's difficult to see. It's only half a step. He's world number two. It's not like it's a dramatic fall from grace, but it's still difficult to see that. I think. Could he have done anything different in the course of that match? I mean, he was playing a man inspired, wasn't he? But I did hear one or two people say, you know, where is the Edberg serving and volleying and taking time away, all that kind of thing. I mean, from where I was stood, I don't think it would have made a whole lot of difference. Marin Cilic just obliterated him I agree with you tactically I don't think there's much he could have done I've read the same commentary about why didn't he serve and volley more but he there just was there weren't those opportunities he, he had the match completely taken away from him what I do think he could have done differently and better is that um, he's the experienced he's the experienced guy Marin Cilic I felt and I, I think Federer should have been feeling Marin Cilic is going to have a wobble at some point. I, I need to... His body language looked defeated to me. And I think if he could have kept up some positive body language, got pumped up, got the crowd pumped up, Marin Cilic at some stage would have had a wobble, would have had a moment where he thought, even if it was, you know, but in the third set when Federer's already two sets to love down, as Gael Monfils did in, in the previous round. Yeah, but he's not... Gael Monfils, is he? Marin Cilic. I would, t- I would explain to you this. When Cilic came out to serve for the match, that was the time when he would have normally, or any human being under normal circumstances, would wobble. 
Roger Federer came out dancing around, looking to get in his face, looking to try to take away the play from him. Three aces in a row from Marin Cilic. Snuffed out any hope. But that was about as last ditch as it gets. I, th- I mean, throughout that, the second and third sets, I thought Federer looked completely defeated to me. And yeah, Marin Cilic might well have not wobbled, but I don't think Federer gave him um, maximum opportunity to do so. And uh, and I think that possibly could have been the only thing he did. He could have done better. But look, frankly, Cilic looked beat- unbeatable, didn't he, that day? He looked completely unbeatable, just as he did in the final. And three straight sets matches in a row. I mean, where has this come from? We know Goran Ivanovic pretty well on the Champions Tour and uh, you were telling us in the last podcast or or in fact the the preview podcast for the US Open about how you'd been with Goran in Belgium when he was at the ATP Champions Tour event and and his you'd heard about his frustrations with Marin Cilic even though they'd made major strides he couldn't seem to get that final element there but Goran has tapped into something that I don't even think Marin Cilic knew was there but it obviously was I, I, I think you've summed it up really well I don't think Marin Cilic knew it was there but but Goran did Goran as much as he, I think he has been frustrated and he has despaired on occasion because he's known that it's there and I think his frustration perhaps has come from um, trying to trying to convince his his charge that you you've got it in you to win to win Grand Slams and there's also been frustrations I think of Goran has been desperately wanting him to use his weapons to their to their maximum which to Goran is plain and simply to 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 come in off his serve as as not not seven volley second serve every time you know it's not it's not 1992 but certainly to spot the opportunities to do so and not be afraid to do so because it's it's criminal with a serve like that you know it's the same the same uh, advice that Andy Roddick finally started taking on board sort of latterly in his career um, and so I think there's there's the element of sort of tactically his game clicking and him realizing how best to use his game and also just believing it sounds so trite doesn't it but he he somehow Goran made him believe he also and I think this is absolutely key he made him relax Marin Cilic is a very nice guy but he's a very analytical fellow he was also coached by one of the great brains of tennis in Bob Brett but somebody who I think was able to build and provide the building blocks to the game of Marin Cilic and then get him to to use them tactically and so forth I think he taught him how to be a, a relatively complete tennis player but I think Marin Cilic ended up confusing himself almost and and suffocating his own game by analysing his opponents too much and Goran just wanted him to go out and just take people apart and not even think too much about their game just impose his own game and that's that's what he did with these people yeah and and his style of play when it's working isn't a style of play that requires a lot of thought is it he's not an Andy Murray who's all about court craft and constructing a point you know perhaps a bit more than he ought to be you know if you're serving three aces per game there's not much to think about there is there and and that's that's what he was doing in those final few matches and he came out of his own head he was just swinging and it was going in it's as it's as simple as that where now for Marin Cilic do you think this is the start of more I mean you know why, why wouldn't he win again I mean he's he's got the weapons 
I mean, maybe he could be a player of contending for Grand Slam titles for the next few years. On the evidence of the US Open final and the semi-final, absolutely, it would be he. It would be a letdown for him not to. But as we've seen so many times, and probably the most recent example is, is Stan Wawrinka, being comfortable with being a champion is is quite some challenge. And this is now the challenge that Cilic and, and Goran big time have on their hands. You know, it's one thing sort of seeing it down on paper, seeing your name inscribed on the trophy. But, I mean, I can only imagine, I'm not a champion at anything, but feeling like a champion, feeling like you have champion's bloods, blood running through your veins, I think is a different thing. And that, that's the challenge now. But tennis-wise, he really... I, I watched that fun and I thought, right, he, he should win a lot of these. She does do herself down, Catherine Whitaker, because I've seen in the round-robin matches between herself and her three housemates, she's always won them. None of them can play tennis at all, but, she, you know, she always wins. Um, Kenny Shikori was, was a revelation, a breath of fresh air as well, wasn't he? Because... Not only did he get a, a nation, in fact, a whole continent interested in the latter stages of, of the US Open. I mean, I think he did it in a manner which I don't think most people thought he was capable of. In the same way as Chilich surprised people, Nishikori surprised people, including himself. And Michael Chang, I think, was equally as responsible for that as Goran Ivanovic was for what Chilich did. Because... I remember one of the first big matches I ever saw at the US Open was Michael Chang beating or losing to Stefan Edberg in well over five hours in the semi-finals in 1992. And suddenly Nishikori, this man who had had 14 retirements on his record over the course of his career, was suddenly outlasting people in fifth sets. He outlasted Stanislas Wawrinka two days after outlasting Milos Raonic at 2.24 in the morning or whatever it was. You know, it's it was mind-boggling what he managed to do, and then he went and beat Mr. Ironman Djokovic. I remember um, at the start of I think it was Nishikori's match against Vavrinka, which will, will live long in in the memory. Um, it was it was even in the first set. I think it was sort of four all first set, you know, very even. But I saw a tweet from one of our colleagues, uh, very good tennis writer Ben Rothenberg, um, and he said uh, it said something along the lines of the question here is not can Nishikori win it's can Nishikori last out this match because that's sometimes what it looks like with him and that that sometimes is uh, you know as you said given his track record it's hard not not to feel that way and not only did he he lost it he won it and he kept on winning it it was obviously a bridge too far but he he's he's uncovered some steel in him hasn't he and and it's it's the super coach thing once again it's Obviously, we don't know how much to attribute to the coaches, and you don't want to take anything away from the players themselves that are achieving it. But I, I don't see it as any coincidence that the four, the four semi-finalists all had so-called super coaches, Grand Slam champions, coaching them, and certainly the fact that the two finalists this year, um, they've taken on those coaches, and this year it has been breakthrough beyond beyond anything close to what they've achieved before. Well, you don't see any coincidence, and neither does Ivan Lendl. This is what he thinks about it. Well, I don't think it's a coincidence. I really don't. Uh, I always felt that uh, one of the biggest attributes of uh, Tony Roach coaching me for 10 years, what he was giving me was uh, the knowledge and the 
the knowledge what it feels like to be on that center court on Sunday afternoon. He has done all four of them. He has been in all four finals. So I think uh, the experience is, I don't care how good of a coach you are, it's very difficult. Uh, uh, very difficult to have without having done it yourself. I can think of uh, two coaches in the history of the game who uh, who have not played on that level and have uh, have uh, been able to learn that experience through having so many opportunities and the finals uh, over there. One of them, Harry Hopman, and the other one, Bob Brett. And... Uh, I may be missing someone and I apologize if I am, but I think that experience is uh, really important because then I just read an article saying my coach understands me and talking about those guys. Uh, I don't know if it was on Eurosport or something. And uh, it makes uh, perfect sense. It really does because it's so different walking there on Sunday or Monday in this case uh, for the finals and even the semifinals than... Uh, if you have someone you can talk to about your feelings and so on. And all four of them and yourself had quite a long time when you weren't, none of you were really involved in the sport anymore. You, yourself probably the longest of all of them. Is it, are you all back, do you think, because there is a buzz by being involved again and being competitive in your own way on the sidelines there and in preparation? Yeah, I, I don't know. There are so many things uh, to coaching which uh, I don't enjoy. Uh, it's not necessarily the work, but the travel, the airports, uh, being on the road for so long. And, and as we said earlier, I don't like doing any, anything half, uh, half measures. So in order to do it properly, uh, it takes a lot of time and, uh, and uh, that, that's the hardest part. But when the player that you are helping actually gets the success that they are seeking... What is it like? What does it feel like for you? Just like anything else, when you uh, when you set to do something or uh, or try to do something, you do it the best way you can, and if that leads to success, in this case, it's the player's success. Uh, it's a lot of satisfaction. That's Ivan Lendl speaking to me on BBC Radio Five Live during the U.S. Open, and uh, I was really amazed by the candor in which he assessed the impact of the the coaches of the the super coaches you might want to call which is a, a trail that he has blazed with Andy Murray and you know he was very clear about the difference that people who've been there and done it can make to a tennis player's career and I- cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel. And Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch Court Susan Longland all day? 
You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. I found it absolutely fascinating. I mean, he, he's now been linked with Thomas Burditch. Wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, Thomas Burditch is, is, would be a perfect project, in inverted commas, for a, for a guy like Ivan Lendl, just as with Andy Murray, getting him over the finish line. Maybe you could do the same for Thomas Burditch. He's, he, by the looks of things, Thomas Burditch is the classic candidate for a supercoach. He's obviously got it all. He's been to a Grand Slam final um, similar game to uh, to Chilich, perhaps perhaps more built for, for the back of the court than Chilich, but nonetheless sort of a very simple looks like a simple equation for him but there is just something missing and it, it's something that's preventing him from being a Grand Slam champion and it seems to be something that these super coaches are able to, to give to uh, to whoever they're coaching so I think it, I mean I'm, I'm surprised Burdick hadn't hasn't courted uh, the possibility of uh, Ivan Lendl before now. I mean, as soon as is uh, it was announced that he had split with Murray, I'm, I'd be surprised if Burdich wasn't on the uh, on the phone to him the next day. It seems like an absolute no-brainer. And as you say, for, for Lendl, if he is looking for a project, I can't see anyone better. It's just whether they can come to an agreement of number of weeks per year, because I know that that's an issue for Lendl, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's always wanted to to reduce the amount he travels, but you know he wouldn't mind a bet that he could just come along the week before a Grand Slam, just add the finishing touches and maybe teach Thomas Burditch how to win one of the big ones. Sprinkle some champions dust on him, that's what they seem to do. They sure do. Well, talking of champions, Ivan Lendl will be part of the uh, ATP Champions Tour field in Italy, which is a, a two-night event in different cities in Italy in October. Do have a look at the ATP Champions Tour website to find out where that is going to be and when. It will feature John McEnroe, Ivan Lendl, Michael Chang and Goran Ivanisevic. So if you find yourself in Italy in October... You want to go and watch that. It'll be good fun, that. And also, another while we're on the subject, uh, another addition to the Statoil Masters tennis team at the Royal or tournament at the Royal Albert Hall in December 3rd to the 7th is Andy Roddick. Catherine Whitaker. we announced this week. Andy Roddick coming to play at the Royal Albert Hall. It'll be good to see him back, won't it? I think he's going to love it, isn't he? He loves, he loves London. He loves the tradition of centre court. He's always been quite an in awe of it and he he's, he speaks very eloquently about uh, about those sorts of venues and what they mean to him and and, he, and there's always been such a fond relationship between him and the British public I think a real rapport I think he's just going to love it just going to fit right in and the public are going to love it I think it's going to be a really um, special thing to see him on the Royal Albert Hall Court Can I cross-promote this podcast to Andy Roddick's podcast, the Fox Live, Fox Sports Live podcast that he does with a broadcaster called Bill Writer. Can I do that? You can do it, but obviously in hopes that Andy Roddick will return the favour. No, you, don't, you, don't, you don't give to try and receive, Catherine. Didn't you ever get taught that? No, but it would be nice to receive, wouldn't it, nonetheless? Well, it would, yeah. But anyway, I'm not doing it for any personal reason other than I find that podcast absolutely hilarious I probably understand about 10% of the content in terms of the uh, the American sporting references but it makes me laugh 
It makes me laugh as well. It's a great podcast. Um, if you're listening, Andy, then uh, th- we like to think this one is too. <laughs> yeah, a lot less swearing on this one. Uh, so this is for the, uh, the under-15s as well. Um, now, the women's draw at uh, the US Open ended up with a, with a great f- final story on paper, but in terms of an actual match, it wasn't up to much, and that's because Serena Williams was absolutely devastating. Yeah, too good. And uh, when Serena's on, her game does not match up particularly well with Caroline Wozniacki's. Um, and uh, to me, um, as, as much as I respect what Caroline Wozniacki did at the US Open, uh, she didn't look like she thought she had any chance in that final to me. I think she looked um, quite defeated from the word go. Um, and perhaps that was just realism on her part because it was evident from quite early on that Serena was on. And uh, as we said, it, 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 that's not a good equation for her, Serena playing her best, hitting the lines. Um, and so it turned out. But fantastic run, fantastic run to the final. No, there, was, it, there was that moment where you, you saw Serena about the fourth round or the quarterfinal stage just hit that top Serena Williams gear. And it did feel as though, well, everybody else may as well go home. There's nothing anybody can do about it right now because she's hitting form that we probably haven't seen since last year right now. Especially as you saw all all the um, players that could potentially challenge her in the draw fall away. I mean, they were just dropping like flies, weren't they? When I saw Kvitova go out, I thought, I mean, she, I, we, dis- we discussed her as a serious contender before the tournament. Um, and and one who could probably genuinely challenge Serena, but there she went in the second round. Um, and uh, yeah, everyone else seemed to fall away. Azarenka played her best all year, but um, just didn't have didn't have the match practice. And now we've just seen that she's announced that she's out for the rest of the year, which is um, a real shame for her. It's it's this is a, a terrible terrible timing in her career to be um, suffering with injury like this. But in a way, I think she probably is better off just going and sorting whatever it is out because she's had a, a rough time this year. She just needs to get it sorted. I mean, it's it's not as severe as Laura Robson's was, but I think when players are struggling like that, they're better off just starting again with a clean slate next year. True. It's probably a wise decision. It's still a long way back, though. I mean, look at Andy Murray. He, he decided to do the same. He took the brave, drastic decision to uh, get his back sorted once and for all. And um, he's not back to where he was, is he? For whatever reasons, obviously it's not all because of that injury time out there. He looks all right though at the US Open, didn't you think? In that match against Djokovic, he pushed him, he won a set, it was close. He looked great, but he's still not won a tournament since he took time out for back surgery. Same with uh, Del Potro, he got his wrist sorted out once and for all. He's not found his way back to where he was. Hey, look, they're still fantastic players and I still believe that Andy Murray has it in him to win another Grand Slam, more Grand Slams, plural. But it, you know, Azarenka will be looking at players like this, and she'll know it's a long way back. Andy Murray, we also should mention, has uh, had a, a bit of an off-court kerfuffle over the last uh, week, of course, with uh, the independence debate uh, about Scotland and Great Britain, and Andy Murray making his thoughts known uh, in the early hours of the morning on a on a tweet which has uh, caused a lot of reaction i think we can certainly say catherine but um one thing i can certainly say regardless of what anybody thinks about 
His view on the matter is some of the reaction has been absolutely disgusting. Without a shadow, I, I doubt you could find a, a right-thinking person anywhere that would would disagree with you. I mean, it's been it's been shocking. It's a it's a great illustration of the uh, the, the dangers that being on Twitter opens opens you up to, I suppose. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a very powerful tool, isn't it, Twitter? And uh, and um, yeah, it, it's it's obviously it's shocking, shocking, absolutely shocking. But um. Uh, yeah, Andy Murray, uh, rightly or wrongly, whatever you think about about uh, about the opinion that he expressed, um, he might have some explaining to do <laughs> when uh, when he next speaks to the uh, the British uh, tennis press corps. I think um, he's probably bracing himself for a, a fair barrage of of questions just at the moment, isn't he? Well, he's no stranger to situations like that. I'm sure he will. Uh do so when he gets given the opportunity uh, but he will certainly start his Asian swing now needing some points because he's going to play three events pretty much back to back Catherine uh, in uh, where is he in the first week I think he's in Tokyo isn't he and then he goes on goes on to Beijing and then he he's in Shanghai so lots of tennis to come for him and that's because he's actually on the periphery on the outskirts of the uh, the top eight players that will qualify for the, uh, the World Tour Finals at the O2. Yep, no points to defend from this uh, this portion of the season. So, on paper at least, it should be if he can put together some half half decent tennis, and he does generally play well uh, in this part of the year, provided he's healthy. If he can string it together, he should just scrape in to uh, to qualifying for the O2. But um, interestingly, at the U.S. Open, he said whether he was. It's just something he said to, to try and take the pressure off. He said, you know, getting his ranking up within that top eight by the end of the year and qualifying for the O2 wasn't a priority for him. I don't believe it for a minute. I think it was heat of the moment, reaction. I think he he would probably have regretted that quite soon afterwards. Um, and I think his actions are speaking louder than those words. He wants to qualify for that event. Yeah, and I, I, hope, you're, I hope and think you're probably right. Um, but... but uh, you can't blame uh, you can't blame people. He said it. You can't blame people for writing about it and drawing conclusions, can you? But uh, I, th- I think you're probably right. I think you can't not report it. I think the 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 truth is though, with the, with the type of personality he has, if somebody says to him, "Oh well, at least now you can concentrate on qualifying for the O2," his immediate response in the heat of the moment, when disappointed, is going to be, "Well, I'm not that bothered about that." He's a contrarian, isn't he? He's he's um, and uh, I would never be one of those. It, it 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 makes him an interesting, engaging, no, it doesn't. bright character. <laughs> I see what you did there, David. Thanks. Hilarious. Boom boom. Uh, but he's a contrarian. Yeah, he does like to express the contrary view to what's being put to him. Yes. No. Yes. No. Uh, yes. Um, so, what else have we got to talk about? The um, the tournament begins in Wuhan uh, this week uh, in, uh, in Asia. I tell you what, they've got a heck of a field there. 17 of the top 18 players in the world are there. The only one who's not there, Li Na. Aw, Li Na, retired. Shame, isn't it? Yeah, has there ever been such an outpouring of affection for a, for a player upon their retirement? I mean, just so she did a press conference today um, in Beijing, which was, which was broadcast throughout the world, I think, um, 
obviously with uh, with translation for those that don't speak Mandarin. Um, and just there are so many quotes pouring out of the uh, of the press conference on Twitter about lovely little things she'd said about about her time on tour and how she feels about tennis. How she's now going to retire close to her close to her academy and focus on that. And uh, my she will be missed, won't she? She really will be missed. Certainly will. And you know, when you think back, if somebody had told you when she won the Australian Open that this is this woman will not be playing the sport this time next year, it would have been a big shock, wouldn't it? Yeah, especially as yeah, okay, she's thirty-two, but that uh, Serena's blazed a trail here, hasn't she? That's that's not particularly old. That's not a, a barrier to winning winning Grand Slam titles on the women's tour. Nobody was really focusing on her age all that much and, and thinking, oh, you know, she might not be around that much longer. Um, so obviously injury has uh, had a hand in the decision it's probably accelerated uh, the decision somewhat but uh, I think certainly at the beginning of the year I don't think anyone was prepared for this in the tennis world were they obviously the length of time she was out and I think was it Mary Carrillo at the US Open that, um, that stuck her neck on the line and, and predicted this would happen I love Mary Carrillo brilliant broadcaster and brave as you said Absolutely, and uh, she's been proved right, and um, which, well, it's just a shame, isn't it? But Lena, I don't think she's going to have to worry about where her next meal's coming from, is she? No, she. Uh, I, 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 I don't. I can't put a figure on it. I, I imagine I can barely conceive of uh, the number of squillions um, that she has in the bank because um, she's very rightly been. Uh, she, well, she's been the most successful. Uh, female athlete from China pretty much of all time I think certainly in in such a mainstream global sport um, as tennis she's done immense things for the popularity of tennis in China and and the whole of Asia I think and she's she's a sponsor's dream come true so uh, I'm sure she could spend the rest of her life counting counting her one but uh, she won't be doing that but uh, yeah, she doesn't need to worry about money and uh, I don't begrudge her a single penny of it because um, it's well earned. Certainly is. Absolutely fantastic achievements throughout the course of her career, now 32 as well. So all the best to Li Na of China. And it does leave a heck of a hole though, doesn't it? Uh, both in the, the draws in Asia over the next few weeks, even though it is a fantastic set of fields that, that they have. Um, Another sad note I heard was that Ash Barty, the young Australian player, was taking a step away from the game, not retiring necessarily full-time, but certainly having a break from the game. And, and it's, it's sad to hear that, isn't it? Because she's a breath of fresh air in terms of the way she plays the game and her personality. But, you know, it's, I think it, it is also a tricky sport for a young player to come to terms with the, the attention on them and, uh, and and what's expected of them and doesn't work out for everybody. And when I read that story, um, I thought, gosh, how old is she? And, and I thought, probably 20, 21. And then I I saw she's 18. It's because she's, she's been around that long. She's been talked about that long. You know, Australians are guilty in the same way that we are here of, of talking up players when they're very young just as when they show the smallest signs of promise of course she showed huge signs of promise she won junior Wimbledon I think at 15 and she won the uh, junior Australian Open title as well similar to Laura Robson she's been compared to sort of a Martina Hingis but with with more power 
um, sort of slightly more modern version of Martina Hingis's game. She looked to have the complete package, but it's not as simple a, a mathematical sum as that. You know, the, there's other things to consider. She's she's a she seems quite a bright, switched-on girl, doesn't she? And and I think just because just because you've got lots and lots of tennis ability doesn't mean that you're suited to the life of a tennis player there's a lot more that goes with it than hitting balls there's press conferences and and practice sessions and gym sessions and being in hotel rooms on your own ordering room service and 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 that's that's a very distinct way of life and uh, it's not for everyone she's obviously made a decision that I've no doubt is right for her Absolutely, and let's hope she is able to come back to the sport when she's uh, feeling much better about it all and um, and has a good future ahead of her. Well, the tennis world is exciting at the moment, Catherine. Lots of different winners, lots of established champions that we've been watching and enjoying for a long time now. We've got lots to look forward to and more predictions to get wrong. But I think that's about it for this week, isn't it? Yep, don't don't make me predict anything just now. Can we have a prediction-free podcast just for one? I think I've, it's, although it might be that I just don't have any bad predictions left in me. I've I've, I've oh yeah, you do. I've scraped the bottom of the barrel where bad. No, no, no. There's loads there. more where that came from. <laughs> uh, but I uh, hope you've enjoyed listening to this edition of the tennis podcast. We've enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. I don't know when, when we can find some time, but hopefully quite soon. Speak to you then. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.